I really, truly thought that everybody would be better off without me. It's a hard thing to ever imagine being at that place, but that's where I was. By lunchtime, I had consumed the first bottle of Ambien, which was over 100, in addition to two bottles of Dramamine and all the Phenergrin. Real life starts now. This is Real Life Radio Show with On Leg. I felt alone. I felt lost. I felt scared. Real stories. I was so desperate in living such a dark and callous life. Real people. I was thinking there was no purpose for my life. There's no reason for me to be here. Real problems. I told my dad, if you try to take these drugs, I'm going to kill you. One solution, God. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. And now your host, On Leg. Hi, this is Evangelist Don Lay. Welcome to the Real Life Radio Show, where we're going to talk to real people who had real problems, but found answers in a real God. Now, we've been talking about the dangers of being a perfectionist. A lot of people believe that being a perfectionist is something to strive for. But in reality, perfectionism can weigh negatively on a person's mental and emotional health. In our last show, we had Eddie Anders with us, and he was like a black belt perfectionist, as he described in life, where he shared with us how he grew up in a Christian performance-like background, where he was always trying to perform for others, even God. He told us of his successes of making a million-dollar business, playing with famous musicians such as Dolly Parton, but he never felt happy. And when things didn't go as planned, and he had to file a bankruptcy, and he also had several health issues afterwards, his mind and his soul dove right into a depression, where he was telling us that he couldn't get out of it. He kept criticizing himself. He was contemplating suicide. Today, he's going to pick up from telling us about how he was storing up loads of Ambien pills and other drugs in order to mix it and overdose and commit suicide. But God didn't allow it to happen and changed his life. Eddie, welcome to the show. Nice to be here. Really, seriously, it's great to be here. Because <laughs> you, you're right, you know, that's what the doctors told me in Minneapolis, that it was only by divine providence that I could have possibly survived. The head of the ER said that for 35 years, he'd never seen that lethal of an attempt to suicide fail. Yeah, Eddie, it's great having you on the show. And I want to go right into this, where I understand that something specific triggered your suicide attempt. Tell us how it happened. Well, my wife, Nancy, was used to me getting up early in the morning. I'd go to my office between 4 and 5 o'clock in the morning because it was quiet, nobody around. I could write, I could arrange, I could record. Everything was great. So this particular morning, which was July the 6th, 2006, I got to my office at about 4.15. And what prompted this particular day was just a few days earlier, I'd had the senior pastor and a couple of his associate guys call me into the office. I just turned 50 years old, and they were all low 30s, late 20s. They called me into the office, and even with all of her success and said to me, not hinted, told me verbatim, you're too old to be relevant anymore, and so we want you off the platform. Well, you know, that was the last snap of the twigs in my bag, and I had everything stockpiled and ready to go, but that's when I decided, and it was about four days later that I made this trip, and I decided I was either going to St. Louis, Chicago, or Minneapolis, which was all about anywhere from a four- to five-hour drive, because I didn't want them to find me till it was too late. So, you know, I drove to Minneapolis, checked into the hotel, not my name, I trashed my computer, left my cell phone in my office with a lot of notes, especially to the church guys, and basically by lunchtime had consumed the first bottle of Ambien, which was over 100, Hmm. in addition to two bottles of Dramamine and all the Phenergrin to keep me from throwing it up. Wow, that is so sad. 
I understand you identified as a Christian at this point, but you didn't have a true relationship with God. So did it ever occur to you that you might not have gone into heaven if you had committed suicide during this time? I asked for his grace and I really did. I took my Bible. I put pictures of my kids and my wife on my bed and opened my Bible and prayed to God that he would take care of my wife and kids and have enough grace to forgive me for what I was about to do. But I just couldn't do it anymore. You know, there was just this immense amount of just, and I didn't really realize it until after I got beyond all this, just how much there was on the inside of me that had led me to this point. You know, I brutalized myself, but I was working so hard to please people that I took the blame for things I didn't even do just to make peace with people. And, you know, if you'll take the blame, people will lay it on you. Mm -hmm. But I truly believe that the grace of God would secure me. You know, I didn't have a fear of that. And I really, truly thought that everybody would be better off without me. Mm -hmm. It's a hard thing to ever imagine being at that place, but that's where I was. Mm, I understand. I think a lot of people who want to commit suicide rationalize the lie that the world would be better off without them. And it simply is not true. I understand you took all these pills and you're in this hotel thinking you would die, but then you wake up and you're alive. What was going through your mind when you woke up alive instead of dead? Yeah, that happened on Thursday afternoon. I woke up on Saturday morning. By this time I was on the floor. I don't remember getting there. There was ambient spill. The other bottle was spilled all around me and on the nightstand. The only thing I remember thinking was, I've got to end this. I didn't wake up and get repentant. I didn't wake up and think, thank you, God, that I wasn't successful. First thing I thought was, the only thing I even remember thinking was, I got to finish it. And I began to pick up Ambien off the floor. And I know I took another five or six. I don't even know how many more I took. And I don't remember anything until Saturday afternoon, waking up in the hospital. But during that time, I called home. They were planning my funeral at my house, by the way. The same staff that had rendered me irrelevant were now planning my memorial service because they thought the sun comes up on Saturday on the third day. We're probably going to find him dead now. So sure enough, you know, I called home. They found me. I go through the process. Sunday afternoon, God really touches my life. You know, I hit a certain television ministry while I'm just channel surfing, waiting on the doctor to come in. And the guy says on television as I hit the channel, the spirit of suicide's on you, and if God hadn't rescued you, you'd be dead right now. Oh. And everybody in the room turned their attention to the television. And over the next couple hours, I just wept from a place I can't describe. It was like God screwed a hose on the top of my head and flushed me out and filled me up. God had rescued me. Now he was healing me. And the process of the next six to 12 months, and really ever since, was going to be just a continuing, ongoing process of healing and strengthening. And what you said, God answered my prayer because after all this was over, I remember God just whispering in my heart, and I've hung on to this forever. I allowed the enemy of your soul to take you to a place that only I could rescue you from, so you would never doubt my love for you again, and you would never feel like you have to prove anything to me. And that was the beginning of a new walk. And what happened is, you know, I, I said in the previous program that I'd been raised to live from the outside in, basically. And now God was rewiring me to live from the inside out. I was now going to live out my life from a place of relationship with God and this intimacy, like Brother Lawrence said, you know, practicing the presence. I now had a realization of that. I now had a true realization of grace and the fact that I no longer live, literally, but Christ lives within me, and every day is grace. And deciding every day, 
This is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. And all these scripture verses that had become cliches as to a professional Christian now became the cornerstone of my new life, Mm -hmm. which was now living from the inside out rather than the other way around. And it revolutionized everything. Black and white became full color. You know, it was like God just woke everything up in me. And that's the way life has been for the last now 12 years. Wow. I love it. You had a genuine encounter with God, and you learned the true value of Christianity, which is relationship, not performance, that you were already accepted. I understand you break this down deeper in a book called Waking Up Dead, which details your testimony with some teaching on how to get set free from perfectionism and depression and self-criticism. Where can people get the book who would need to learn more about this? Amazon, Barnes & Noble, on my website, which is eddieanders.org. And I've got a companion CD, a lot of my music friends, guys from Toto and Chicago, and guys like Phil Keggy, and guys from For Him, a lot of different folks who wanted to help tell my story. There's a companion CD that goes with the chapters in the book. So all that's available on my website or iTunes. It's ebook form. You can get it through iTunes and Amazon and all those things. Oh, that is awesome, Eddie. I'm so glad you found the love of God and the true meaning of your faith. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Uh, Thank you. Hang on. I have a word for your life right after the break. My friends, this is Evangelist Onlay, and I have a huge heart to study how Jesus is working in people's lives today and how he can change the lives of so many more. Will you partner with me to get this show on another radio station in a different state? Together, we're learning and demonstrating that Jesus is alive and touching lives everywhere. Help us to get out the good news. We're looking for monthly giving partners from $5 a month to $100 a month. Anything helps. You can learn more about this by going to AwakeningTheNations.com. That's AwakeningTheNations.com. Real Life Radio is a ministry of Awakening the Nations, a 501c3 nonprofit organization that depends on your donations. If you would like to find out more about Awakening the Nations or make a tax-deductible donation, please visit our website at AwakeningTheNations.com or call us at 877-480-4477. That's AwakeningTheNations.com or 877-480-4477. More Real Life starts now. Welcome back to the show where we're going to go deeper into what you just heard. So what do you think about this? To me, this is so sad that Eddie's perfectionism and his outlook was so disparaging for him that it led him to a point of wanting to commit suicide. But this isn't just him. I know that there's other people who struggle with this feeling like they're not enough. Do you struggle with this sometimes? Why does this often happen where one can be cornered by their own thoughts to become so self-destructive? You would think it just doesn't make sense, like it's counterintuitive, but it exists in some people's lives in one time or another. What does ancient scripture say about this? Let's look at this. In John 10.10, it says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life, that they may have it more abundantly. And that's Jesus speaking. Who is he speaking about? Well, the scripture is talking about the spiritual entity, Satan, the devil. And that his goal is to bring things to steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy you. Yes, there is someone after you, and he doesn't like you. And this, I believe, is why people get cornered with their own thoughts. Because in truth, those aren't their thoughts. And if that's you, like if you have thoughts of hurting yourself, that's not from you. It is from Satan. Another thing that stood out to me is that he truly believed this world would be better off without him. 
Now, I believe there's some who are listening who can identify with that thought. Can I say something if that's the case? My friend, you are so precious and valuable. If you say this thing, it is not from God. In God's eyes, you are valuable, and only you can be the only one to fulfill what God has called you to fulfill. Look at what ancient writings say in Matthew chapter 10, verses 29-31. through 31. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, for you are more value than many sparrows. You have so much value. Think about this, that every single one of your hairs on your head are numbered by God. That means he knows your value so much that he has literally numbered your hairs. What about everything else? You're valuable, friend. God loves you. His heart was revealed at the cross where he chose to take your sins and failures and he took that upon himself rather than to live in eternity without you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died on the cross for us, that you loved us so much and that you do care for us and that this world is a better place because we're here. Jesus, we receive you. We believe in you. We ask for your presence in our hearts. We ask for this in Jesus' mighty name. I hope you were blessed by this testimony, and I know that your life was touched. If you want to know more about us or to make a tax-deductible donation, please check us out at AwakeningTheNations.com. That's AwakeningTheNations.com. See you next time.